0: This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. In the last few months, we've seen employees at Montana State Hospital try to raise the alarm about the conditions at the facility in Warm Springs. It's the only state-run psychiatric hospital in Montana, and according to the state, it's a it's a In the last few months, we've seen employees at Montana State Hospital try to raise the alarm about the conditions at the facility in Warm Springs. It's the only state-run psychiatric hospital in Montana, and according to the state, is amid a serious staffing shortage. This week, we got a hold of an inspection report that lays out how those conditions have affected patients and, in some cases, how violations of federal health rules have had fatal consequences. Seaborn Larson of the Montana State News Bureau is here with me today to um, tell us what's in this report uh, and uh, some of the reporting he's done uh, about the state hospital in in recent weeks. So what's in the report, Seaborn?
1: Yeah, this report is definitely... Um, kind of a shift in our reporting over the last couple months from, you know, the, the complaints we've heard from employees about kind of the working conditions and unresponsive administration out at Warm Springs to now what those conditions have meant um, for the facility's patients and I'd like to start with um, a woman named Kathy, Kathy Taves. She was living in Wolf Point with her husband back in January 2021 when she suffer, or suffered a stroke at age 73. The way Roy Taves, her husband, described it to me is that um, you know her needs after that, after that stroke quickly outpaced the care that was available at hospitals in their area up on the High Line. The hospital in Wolf Point couldn't really provide much more than um, kind of emergency care after that stroke. And so she went to a hospital in Glendive where she spent a few months before providers there kind of decided to send her to St. Peter's here in Helena where they have a geriatric behavioral health unit. <clears throat> but even there, the, um, the hospital had essentially made a determination that um, her needs required uh, more than they were able to provide. So uh, with the ge- judge's order, um, she was sent to Warm Springs and so Kathy arrived at the state hospital back in August with um, a bunch of diagnoses, uh, including dementia, anxiety, Uh, diabetes and so um, you know she'd actually also experienced a lot of uh, falls in the months leading up to her transfer to Warm Springs but the hospital according to this report we got had never implemented a plan to actually prevent those falls so the report focuses in on a two-month period starting in early December when um, Kathy began suffering falls and doing so with kind of a higher and higher frequency You know, sometimes Kathy would fall getting in and out of bed, and sometimes she would lose her balance when she was trying to go to the bathroom. Um, Other times she just lost control when she's trying to navigate around the facility uh, in her walker.
0: So as Kathy continues to fall, um, does any of the state hospital staff ever intervene?
1: Never in a meaningful way. In fact, in late December, uh, they took Kathy off this one-to-one supervision, um, meaning there would have been a a hospital staffer with her at all times. Each time she would fall, hospital staff would fill out these risk assessments, and as these falls continue, uh, these risk-fall assessments kind of keep assigning her different fall risks from low to high, and then um, low again. But never really um, including any reasoning for why an increase of falls didn't correlate to a higher fall risk each time. Hmm. The you know according to this report, the facility saw about 41 falls essentially over the month of January, and Kathy accounted for 10 of those falls in that time. Wow. And her falls didn't always result in injury, but occasionally they did cause a few injuries to her arms and head. So, um, you know, during this time, Roy, Kathy's husband, again said she had called him on occasion uh, during her stay there and in january had talked about um, wanting to leave the facility and go to a nursing home Uh, the inspection report that we got shows she had said something about that to a behavioral health care planner who responded that they might be able to set up a plan for that move
0: so uh did kathy get out of the the state hospital then
1: no on January 27th, she's in a wheelchair because things were not going well with that walker. But on that afternoon, hospital staff had heard her fall from her wheelchair and found there had been a blanket wrapped around kind of the axle or around the wheel. Mm. Um, hospital staff noted that she was bleeding from her nose and soon her head and face were swelling up. But they look at her, um, kind of decide that you know she's okay, and they um, just decide to kind of keep an eye on her. But um, it was about two hours later, uh, nurses are responding to Kathy's room, and she's complaining of head pain and becomes unresponsive. So there's some commotion about trying to find a doctor. Uh, remember, the hospital right now is very, very short-staffed, and so, you know, eventually she's transported to a hospital in another town nearby, but that's about um, a little more than an hour after she had become unresponsive. Wow. Well. Her family got to be with her for a few days, but she ultimately died on January 30th.
0: Wow. Um, So federal inspectors came to this facility in early February. What What did they make of this case, and are there any others like Kathy's?
1: You know, these inspectors from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, that's the um, federal agency that requires uh, facilities like the state hospital to be in compliance of federal health rules uh, in order to receive that federal funding these federal reimbursement um, payments for uh, certain medical health needs um, so they looked at five patients fall reports and there's about 30 um, patients on the Spratt unit where geriatric patients are held so it's a really conservative snap- snapshot at where the situation is at in terms of uh, you know, falls at the state hospital. Of those five, they found one patient had been hospitalized with injuries related to a fall and uh, found out that Kathy had suffered many, many falls before that last one um, mm. claimed her life. So inspectors note in their report that Kathy's death could have been prevented if the hospital had implemented a plan to prevent her from falling and had kept her on that one-to-one supervision. These findings are part of what led the federal government to put the state hospital on immediate jeopardy status, which means they've deemed that patient safety and lives are in immediate danger under the current circumstances at the facility.
0: Hmm. So right now, the state hospital is under this designation you just outlined, um, in part because of the falls. Um, but you reported in January about an earlier inspection that found a huge number of falls. Why is this time different?
1: That's right. Um, Holly Michaels, the state news bureau chief, and I had reported about this uh, inspection back in September when they, these inspectors had found, I think, 113 falls over a three-month period. And so we're kind of looking at the same rate hmm. of falls as uh, the 41 number in January. But um, CMS had imp- had approved that inspection and told the state hospital they did not need to implement any corrective action in response to those findings. So we asked CMS why or how those, those kind of findings did not justify any corrective action last year. The CMS responded after about two weeks and said the report had been disturbing to the federal agency and that they were going to revisit the state hospital. We know now from looking at this inspection report from February that um, this is what they found as a result of us asking about that earlier report.
0: Oh, OK. So has CMS explained how it approved that early report?
1: We've asked that question repeatedly, um, and to this date, uh, February twenty fourth, we have not gotten a response on that.
0: Oh, okay. Um, And okay, so what what else did this report turn up then?
1: Yeah, actually, the um, you know failure to prevent falls was only about half of this report. Uh, the state hospital had also been put on immediate jeopardy for operating without a COVID-19 prevention plan, and these inspectors had a lot to work with here in early February because the hospital had just experienced a pretty serious ho- uh, outbreak in January. Oh, a- really? 87 out of 107 patients uh, facility-wide contracted it that month, and 108 staff members also tested positive. So. Wow inspectors had found the hospital had originally tried to isolate positive patients in one unit but um i mean cases just boomed inside the facility and before long uh, there were too many positive patients to house in that one unit so then we see covid positive patients and uh non-covid positive patients being housed together in this report
0: oh geez um so Did inspectors find how COVID spread so far and so fast in the facility, Um, even though it sounds like the hospital tried to isolate COVID patients?
1: Yeah, and um, I don't think it's expressly said in the report, but I mean, there's two things to remember here. You know, in January, Montana was seeing um, new COVID-19 cases just blowing through the roof. Uh, Omicron variant, which has been the most uh, contagious variant, we've seen of COVID-19 yet um, was really driving that, uh, those cases around the state. And so it kind of tracks that eventually um, an employee would have carried it into the facility. And we see in the report that um, an employee tested positive before any patient um, during that outbreak. Oh, really? So then the other thing uh, that we're seeing is that um, in inspections of the um, hospital's staffing sheets, Inspectors found that employees were being assigned to work on these COVID units and non-COVID units, Uh sometimes day-to-day and then sometimes in the same day. Um, You know, there's one report of a um, a psych tech working a 16-hour day where they spent four hours in a um, COVID unit before being moved over to the remainder of their shift on a um, a non-COVID unit where none of the patients had tested positive yet. So... Hospital administration um, told inspectors that they weren't aware of the staffing practice and that wasn't the expectation that had come from the administration, but still the infection prevention officer at the hospital told inspectors that they um, actually did not have a COVID-19 prevention plan that had been approved or was in line with guidance from the CDC. And so according to this report, we are two years into the pandemic now and um, all the hospital had was a rough draft. Wow. Okay, so what was the result of this kind of lack of preparation? So the report identifies three deaths from COVID-19 in patients that um, likely could have been prevented if a plan had been in place. So state hospital patients who did not enter the facility with any sort of terminal ailments ultimately died as a result of a preventable outbreak.
0: And so where, where does the hospital stand now? With this, you know, immediate jeopardy finding, what are the consequences of that determination by the federal government?
1: So last week, um, in mid February, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid notified the state hospital that has until March 13th to correct these deficiencies, or it will cut off the facility's federal reimbursement funding. Um, you know, right now we don't know how big of a piece of their overall budget that is, but I would expect it would be a pretty significant blow to the facility's ability to operate. And have we heard from the state? Has the, has the state responded at all to the report? The state department, uh, sorry, the state health department, which operates the facility, says it has been working on a plan, plan to correct these issues and bring the hospital back into compliance, but has declined to describe those actions so far. Um, so if you're someone right now who has a family member in Warm Springs, you don't have any answers from the state on how they're fixing this. Um, But we do know that late last year, the state health department began soliciting bids for potential contractors to come in and run um, all of its healthcare facilities. This was originally pitched as a system-wide contract, Hmm. but over time, as we've kind of reported on the state hospital and drawn attention to the problems there, the department's language around this contract has kind of become more and more focused on alleviating this crisis in Warm Springs. Um, so that contract and what the department does before that March 13th deadline are two things we're really going to be watching for in the n- next couple weeks. And uh, this, this afternoon, actually, uh, we've heard from the um, Child, Family, Health, and Human Services Interim Legislative Committee. This is the legislative body that has oversight over the state health department. Um, today, one day after we r- reported on this uh, inspection report, Uh, the chair of that committee representative ed staffman from bozeman has called a meeting to um, to bring the state health department before the committee and try to figure out some short and long-term solutions to what's going on with the state hospital and that um that's about all we know for right now that that email came out just actually minutes before we sat down to talk
0: okay wow um so there will definitely be some reporting to follow on uh, the state hospital and um, the fallout from this report. Uh, thanks, Seaborn. Uh, that's another episode of Big Sky Lead. Uh, make sure to subscribe uh, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks. Thanks, Tom.